guys and gals, we are back with episode 38. It's been a minute, um, but we're back at it. We've got a bunch in the hopper too, so I'm super excited. But this week we have the Breaks 45, um, and our race support's coming from a good buddy of mine, Travis Nissenbaum. Um, I had not heard of Breaks until... Travis and Michael from the St. Louis area were heading out to do this as a training run. Um, and after hearing it firsthand and then being able to listen to Travis's race report, it sounds like an absolute beast, but also absolutely beautiful. Um, I know that so many people that did the no business 100 a few weeks later use breaks as a East coast training run for that. Um, so anyway, I don't want to do too much with the race. Travis does a great job of explaining it. It's in Virginia. Um, it's not on ultra signup, so it's kind of hard to find, but it's on run signup if you want to look at it. And they and I will put the website into the show notes as well. Um, before we jump into that, as always, uh, our good sponsor and friends at Buffalo Bluffs Hemp. Um, as always, please support them. You know, what they do is amazing. They're two ultra runners, an ultra running family, um, in Southern Illinois, putting together amazing natural CBD products to not only help us athletes, but help the everyday person as well. We will have Buffalo Bluffs on us this weekend as I am crewing Travis for the OT 100 we will have that joint salve with us, and I guarantee it's going to get put to use um, helping him out probably during and after the race for sure. So um, as always, our code is the Endurance House. That gets you 20% off your first order. Order So use that code, support a great local company, um, and support other ultra runners as well. So without further ado, let's let Travis take it away on the Breaks 45. The 2021 Breaks Ultra. It was quite the race. Um, definitely a fitting name because it is quite the challenge. Um, I think it is a race that is designed to break you. Um, <clears throat> so how I came to uh, find this race is kind of cool because it is a typical ultra runner sto story. Uh, a few years ago, I did a race in Kentucky called Land Between the Lakes. It was my first 50-miler, and I was just really getting into ultra running at the time. So my wife and I went down to Kentucky. My wife was going to crew me, and at the packet pickup, we didn't really know anyone, and they had a pasta dinner the night before. So we sat down. We were eating some pasta, and a guy came and you know, said, Hey, I uh, just want to sit down and eat real quick. Uh, do you guys mind if I sit with you? So, of course, we said, you know, sure. Um, <clears throat> him and I did the race. Uh, we linked up on Strava and have kept in touch just a little bit since then. And uh, so this summer, he saw some pictures uh, from a vacation that my wife and I went on and um, sent me a message. He liked the pictures. And, you know, we started talking about races coming up. And he mentioned breaks. Um, breaks is a 45 mile race, uh, that starts in Virginia where you go up and over Pine Mountain into Kentucky, um, and back. And so it's got about 12 to 13,000 feet of elevation. 
Um, it is not a typical ultra race just because 45 miles is kind of a random distance. I was looking at a really high gain elevation race to get ready for the OT100 that I've got coming up um, on Halloween this year. And I really initially had wanted to look into the Barkley Fall Classic, but I was late to register and put on the wait list and I was a little worried about finding a hotel room and everything else. So I went ahead and signed up for breaks because um, it's a newer race and maybe just not quite as popular. I was able to get the last hotel room in the park and was good to go. Um, <clears throat> a few weeks before the race started, I was um, out at the Castlewood Trail Series and ran into another friend of mine, Michael, who was training for a uh, hundred miler also in October and mentioned um, this race to him and said, Hey, I've got the hotel room. If you you know want to come and use this as a long training run, which is kind of what I'm doing, um, the more the merrier. So Michael agreed and um, registered for the race. And we drove out to uh, Virginia on uh, the day before the race. Uh, had a good time in the car. It was as soon as we, you know, kind of got past Louisville, things started to get really pretty as we moved into the mountains. Um, and I think for me, definitely, I had no idea how gorgeous this area of Kentucky was. Um, I mean, we're really sitting on the Kentucky-Virginia border, but it is really mountainous and it is beautiful. There are some really deep canyons, um, really beautiful rivers, big mountains. Um, it is really, really, really cool. And so um, we pulled into the park, we went to pack and pick up, and really I love races like this where you can stay, you know, 300 yards from the start line and it makes it really nice to just kind of roll out of bed the next morning um, and not have to stress too much about getting to the start line. So we picked up our packets on Friday night, um, had a few burgers in the restaurant, and um, the race started at 6 o'clock, uh, so we woke up at about 4.30, um, made sure we had everything ready in our drop bags, and headed up to the start-finish. Uh, we were even there a little bit early. Uh, I was kind of worried about, you know, checking back in and having long lines at the porta potties and everything else, um, but we got there at about 530. Um, we got really perfect race weather. We've had a super hot summer in St. Louis, so I think at race start time, it was about 55 degrees and there was a little bit of a drizzle and it actually felt pretty cold, which it was actually really, really nice feeling cold after being so hot all summer. Um, so we kind of waited around, took like a pre-race selfie. Um, there were a lot of big groups of runners from Louisville and Indiana, it seemed like, that all kind of knew each other. And six o'clock hit and the gun went off and we, uh, we took off. So the first, uh, um, probably mile is on a road where you run on this, uh, park, state park road and onto the trail. Um, and it is nice because it's a it's kind of a rolling road there's maybe a little small hill and then it rolls down and maybe rolls back up again one more time before you hit the trailhead um, as we got to the trailhead the race director um, 
was leading the pack on the road in the car because it was dark. And even though we had headlamps, it's definitely a trailhead you could miss um, running right by it. So it was kind of funny as we got up there, he was blaring Eye of the Tiger from his truck at the trailhead and high-fiving people as they went onto the trail, which was a nice way to start the race. Um, the second mile as you get onto the trail is probably like a minus 900 foot descent. Um, and even in daylight, I don't think that this would be a very runnable section. Uh, people were sort of running it, but kind of just shuffling down as fast as they could. Um, because it was really steep, it was really rocky, and it was really technical, which is just a theme and almost nonstop throughout this race. Um, during the way down, I linked up with a few runners um, and just kind of got to know them. Um, and it was nice to have conversations. This is definitely the type of race and where you want to meet people and you want to talk to people because it is tough. And um, having that camaraderie with others will definitely help spur you to the finish line. So as you go down, you get to the bottom of uh the trail, you know, the minus 900 foot climb, you then hit this creek. And the creek's like a three layered creek with three different small waterfalls. Now the race directors and all the other racers who had done this race in the past, their advice was just get your feet wet. Do not run on the side of the rocks because the rocks are slippery. I followed their advice. I had heard from a runner I had met going down that hill named Doug. Last year I didn't listen. I slipped and fell three miles in. Um, so I ran right through the water and there is a river crossing about two miles later. So I knew my feet were going to get wet uh, early on in the race, even if I didn't want them to. So you kind of climb through this creek. Um, definitely not a runnable section, um, but very cool to just kind of climb through the creek and then meet back up with the trail that then kind of rolls and winds down where you can run a little bit and takes you out to a road. Um, when you get out on the road, you spend about a mile on this really cool um, road that kind of is like this windy mountainous road that goes through um, some really cool canyons. It is uphill. Um, a lot of the race is either up or down. There's not much flat. There was maybe a little bit flat at the beginning. Um, and as you kind of come around this bend, you then go back down probably three or 400 feet on the road um, towards the river. And the river crossing, which we got to do twice in the race, really was probably one of the highlights. Um, so in the morning, it was a great way to wake up. It, it was cold outside and the water was cold, but it was really cool kind of pulling yourself across this river um, as you went back over to the trail. So when you get on the other side of the river, um, the trail takes you past these railroad tracks and then you start to go up this uh, ATV road. And it is, after you get past the first climb, it's one of the few runnable sections on the course. It kind of rolls for a little bit. There's some gentle up and then some gentle down. Um, there is some technicality to it, some rocks and everything, but you know, at mile four, um, what you consider technical is probably a lot different than what you consider technical when you come back around mile 40. Um, and while we definitely were starting to head up, um, things really didn't get too real on the way up until about two miles past that. I would say at mile six or mile seven. Um, at that point you hit a two mile climb where you probably would gain, and I don't know this 
for certain at least 1700 feet and it is a tough rocky steep long climb um we missed a turn um some of the flags got kicked down and um while we were on the course we ended up going the up the wrong section which we didn't really realize until we got up to the top and saw that there was another trail that was coming out um from what I understand, from what the race director later told us, we not only went longer because of this, but we also went the harder way up. Um, when my buddy and I got to the top, because um, we were still together at this point, um, we we came across somebody who was a little peeved that we had gone the wrong way and kept questioning as to whether or not we cut the course and uh, asked us how many miles we had gone. And we had gone... Uh, a few more miles than he had. And then he asked, he wanted to see our elevation to which we kind of ignored. Um, since we were both using this as a long training run, at that point we figured, well, we're going to do the race. We're going to get the time on the feet. Um, and if we don't get a finisher award or we get a DNF because of this, this is just what it is. Um, but we've gone a longer, harder route. And actually considering that this is really a training run for a hundred mile races, you know, maybe that's a good thing that we went a little bit longer, um, a little bit further and hiked up a little bit higher. Um, so this climb though, it was a really tough, long climb. Um, <clears throat> we just kind of shuffled up it. We made as good a time as we can. Um, and while the climbs were hard at the time, what really ends up being the killer in the race is going back down this. Um, that's kind of when your legs are finally ready to give out. So we then checked in and hit the second aid station of the day, which was called Goldfish Pond. Goldfish Pond just had water and electrolyte. Um, a lot of these aid stations were uh, pretty bare bones. Part of the reason is that the race is just remote. Um, there isn't a real way to get water and electrolyte up the mountain. So it was a guy who just had two coolers um, and two big jugs of water on the back of his ATV. Um, we checked in, refilled our water bottles. Um, while it wasn't quite hot yet, we knew it was going to get hot later in the day. There were a lot of exposed pieces on the mountain, and it was definitely important to make sure we were staying on top of the hydration. From Goldfish Pond, you go down and actually see Goldfish Pond, which is not a very uh, <laughs> good-looking pond. <coughs> really dirty, nasty water. And then you make a long, rocky, technical climb up to the first um, open area on the peak. Um, and it was just absolutely beautiful. I mean, you looked out and got a 360 degree view um, of all these different mountains and different little towns. Um, this was the first mountain race I ever did. And <clears throat> while it was incredibly tough, the views and the reward you got from making those climbs was totally worth it. While we were on the first peak you have to cross over about uh probably five different viewing points um where you're kind of going up and down these ridges and it certainly felt like we were going up the whole time but on the way back there were definitely some downs that we forgot about uh probably the coolest one was the last one that we crossed where there were a bunch of big power lines um and you could just see for miles um the that area was completely bald and you got these great views and you just could see how steep um, some of the drop-offs were. And it was really impressive that they could get those power lines up there the way they did. And it was pretty cool because the guy I did the race with, um, 
works for one of the power companies and he was saying, you know, to get those set up, they must have had mules who brought up all the supplies, which, you know, is really impressive in and of itself. So after we crossed that last power line, we kind of ran along um, the top of the ridge in a shaded area. And then you kind of come to the first out, uh, first of a few out and back sections, um, which is the ranger cabin descent. And at the bottom of the hill, you get a, uh, you get into the next checkpoint, which is ranger cabin. And you have to do this twice. Um, so this section is a mile and a half with 900 feet, 990 feet of elevation change. So going down, um, the first little bit of it is really rocky and technical. It's not super runnable. Um, but then after that, you can kind of open up a little bit and make some good time. So the first time we came into Ranger Cabin, um, this was one of the times you could access your drop bag. Um, we just, we grabbed a few supplies and got out because you then have to climb back up Ranger Cabin, um, which once again, the first time going up, it, it really was not as bad as maybe a mile and a half and 990 feet sound. Um, we made pretty good time. Legs were still feeling good. So when we get up to the top of Ranger Cabin, you make a left and then you go out to Birch Knob. Um, Birch Knob was probably two and a half miles out, two and a half miles back. Um, and you just kind of roll along the mountain. You're not getting too many good views at that point. Um, you're more in the woods. It's very rolly, nothing, no huge climbs, no huge descents. Um, we did hike a lot of it, kind of saving our legs, knowing that we were going to have to do the ranger cabin descent and ascent again. Um, but one thing that was really cool was as you got near the Birch Knob aid station, there was this cabin um, that was a backpacker's cabin. And it was one of those places where you saw it and you're like, man, it would be awesome to just park maybe do a little hike and then camp overnight at this uh, Birch Knob cabin. Um, it's very bare bones. I mean, you just go in there and roll out your camping pad and sleeping bag and throw a pillow down to crash. But um, they had a fire pit, fire ring outside and um, you were not far at all from some very, very beautiful views. So um, kind of the theme for the day was, and this was race director's advice, was don't mess around too much at the aid stations and just keep moving. So Michael and I got into Birch Knob. It was a quick in and out, you know, check in, check out. I think I got some chips, um, refilled my water bottles, and, and then I was ready to move on. Um, so we hiked back, um, did a little bit of running. Um, but at this point, I was starting to notice my, my legs um, were starting to not feel so good. I mean, we were maybe 23 miles in at this point, and... Um, I would imagine we had to be close to seven or 8,000 feet. Um, so my hamstrings were starting to get really tight, which then I could feel it a little bit in my knees. Um, my glutes were super tight. Um, my hips were getting super tight. And honestly, one of the worst things that, uh, that was hurting me was I had to take a dump. And uh, I was hoping that they would maybe put out some porta potties on my second trip through Ranger Cabin. Um, and as we got to the turnoff, really what I was thinking most about, um, was taking that dump. Now I did need to throw some desitin on my feet. I did need to, you know, get some electrolytes, some water, get some more calories in me because it was really starting to get hot. And, uh, I was definitely fighting off cramps, 
but the big thing that I wanted to do was go to the bathroom. And um, for anybody who's ever run with me, I'm no stranger to going out on the trail, but this was in this section, a very narrow single track with not a lot of offshoots. And during a race, I did not want to just leave a log in the middle of the trail. Um, I didn't think that was a very courteous thing to do. So we went back down into um, Ranger Cabin. Um, the second descent was definitely not as easy going um, or as easy to open up as the first one, but legs were still feeling decent um, going downhill at this point. Got into Ranger Cabin. Um, my shoes were super dry, um, but my socks were still pretty wet from the creek and the river crossing earlier in the day. Um, and, you know, last year on a FKT on the Ozark Trail, uh, I had to stop a little earlier than I wanted to because I made the mistake of going through a pretty deep creek and not changing shoes. So I knew that that could be something that would sink me. So I made sure I stopped, threw on Desitin, the baby rash stuff all over my feet, got some new socks on. Unfortunately, my shoes were pretty dry, so I didn't need to change my shoes. Um, I then went ahead and got my hiking poles. And about two weeks ago, I made a decision that I should probably have hiking poles for this race. Now, I'd only used them once. And um, in St. Louis, on our trails, we have some really big climbs, but they're not very long. And so in St. Louis, I kind of had a mixed review of using them. I have to say, had I not grabbed them for this race, I think I still would have finished, um, but maybe not. Um, the poles definitely saved me. Um, so my thought was, you know, I'll at least use them to climb out of Ranger Cabin, which is a mile and a half and 990 feet. Um, and if I only get use out of them at that time, it's probably going to be worth it. Now, initially what Michael and I were thinking and had kind of been told is once you get back out of Ranger Cabin, it's a net downhill. It might be a net downhill. I don't know. I didn't look. It definitely did not feel that way. <laughs> um, we got out of Ranger Cabin and um, immediately it was like we were just climbing back up to these bald spots where we got these really pretty views. And while it was great to go back out there and see those pretty views, I think we were really hoping we'd get up to that first peak and then it'd just be a gentle roll down for about seven or eight miles. Um, it wasn't. Every single time you thought you could kind of get into a rhythm, you'd get shot right back up. Also during this time, I finally hit a point where if I didn't go to the bathroom, I was going to be in a lot of pain. So I found a little side trail where I could step off um, and was able to relieve myself took about 45 minutes for my legs, or sorry, for my stomach to kind of feel back to baseline. Um, but then I was able to keep going. But I was definitely bummed that it was not the rolling downhill that we kind of thought it would be is till we got to that really steep descent. Um, going back through and seeing all the pretty views again definitely was a pick me up at kind of a low spot because my stomach was not in good shape. And I'm just not a hot weather runner. It was continuing to get hotter. Um, I was sweating a little bit more. It was harder to, you know, I was needing more fluid. I wouldn't say it was getting hard to keep fluids down. I was just needing more and there probably wasn't enough. So we went past all of our peaks, all of our pretty views again, and then made our way back to Goldfish Pond. Um, <clears throat> Goldfish Pond was a huge pick me up because I had been out of water for a little bit. I'd also been, my, been by myself for a while. When I stopped to go to the bathroom, I had been with Michael and another guy that we had met named Doug. 
but I didn't want to slow them down. Um, this is a race where you got to keep moving. They were um, looking pretty strong, and I decided, you know, hey, you guys go on without me, um, or you know, so they could continue to have a good race. So, Goldfish Pond, it was nice because then I linked up with another group of people again. Um, and this is just definitely a race where having some positive people around and being able to talk um, is really helpful. Um, in fact, earlier on in the race, uh, one of the guys that, one of like the 30 guys who made the wrong turn and went the longer, harder route um, said to us, boy, I, you know, I can't stop thinking about, I wish I had that mile and a half back. And that was something where it was like, if you went into that negative mindset or thought about, I made a wrong turn, or I made this, or I made that it could really sink you. And so I didn't really want to think too much about that. So having some positive people and um, fresh legs around me was definitely a good thing. Um, I, I met some, some new trail running friends. And as we left Goldfish Pond, we had a long, long steep descent back down that initial um, Jeep road that we climbed to kind of get up to the peaks of the mountain. So this was about a two mile downhill um, it was really steep, very rocky, um, and this is when my quads really started to burn. Um, I trained super hard to climb this whole race. Um, in reality, I think that going down was definitely the harder option. Um, I should have trained a little bit harder going downhill, um, but I just didn't. So you then get to this intersection and you have another two miles down to the next aid station, which is Carson Island. Carson Island's at about 33. For us, I think it was closer to 35 because of the wrong turn. It's the only aid station where you can see crew. Um, and it is one of the nicer aid stations. But going down those last two miles, it's fairly exposed. It's ATV road. It is very rocky, very technical. Um, and then when you get down to the bottom, you're completely exposed. And it was really getting pretty hot and it was fairly humid outside. I got in that aid station I definitely took my longest break at this aid station and it was, um, it was nice to kind of have that five minute break to, to reset a little bit. Um, I ate some chips. I, I absolutely hate pickles unless I'm running an ultra and normally I will only eat, drink pickle juice, but eating the pickles was really helpful. I ate some pickles, um, had some goose, had a bunch of beef jerky. Um, it was nice to kind of throw away all the trash I had in my race belt, um, you know, just to kind of feel a little more reset. And then I was back out. Um, the two mile ascent, for whatever reason, I think this one might have been the worst of, well, I don't want to say the worst of the race. The last two miles was really the worst of the race. But this one just felt really long. The two miles going down, even with my quads burning, just didn't seem as bad as the two miles going back up this and being exposed. Um, when I got to the halfway point, there were some volunteers who pointed us back along the original ATV road. We came out of, out of the river. And once again, um, you know, what feels pretty good from miles probably four to six or four to seven doesn't really feel very good when you're about 37 miles into a race. Um, it was rolly downhills, rolly uphills. It was rocky, it was technical. There were a lot of puddles. And even though we were getting ready to cross the river again, I was trying to keep my shoes and feet as dry as possible um, so I didn't get, you know, torn up uh, trench foot. 
and at this point I was running with three different people and, you know, having those people to talk to and, um, kind of just get to know on a race is always one of my favorite things about ultras. Um, but especially on a tough one like this, uh, where every step gets painful as the race, more and more painful as the race goes on, having just other people around makes the experience go by so much faster and kind of keeps you from being in your own head of, oh man, I'm in a lot of pain. Oh man, I'm in a lot of pain. Like, you know, you're in a lot of pain, but you're at least there with some people to share the miles with and, uh, you know, have good conversation with and, you know, you keep each other positive and in a good frame of mind. So, uh, we went back down to the railroad tracks and it was really nice seeing those railroad tracks. I knew about tenth of a mile later we would be crossing the river. At this point it was probably 85 degrees and really sunny. So getting into that river felt awesome. It felt so good going back across that river. It was kind of like a real quick pick me up. And even though the water was moving fast and, you know, following that slack line was not always the easiest thing. And there were definitely some huge, huge boulders in the water that you had to be careful with. Just being in the water and being able to cool off for a little bit really did feel good. Um, so we came out of the water. We hit the rat hole aid station. I did forget to mention that it was there um, at mile four just to refill water on the way back. Um, it did have some other things like Coke, electrolytes, some chips. Made a quick stop there. Um, drank a lot of Coke. Um, refilled electrolyte water. Had some chips. Had some other snacks. Had a banana. Um, at that point, I was really fighting off cramps. And it was one of those where, you know, I don't think they're without taking a long, long stop and maybe a longer reset, I would have been able to fight off the cramps. But if you just ate and drank enough, it was there that you could kind of fight it off to the next aid station. Now, Rat Hole was the last aid station. And one of the things that the group I was with kept talking about was, you know, getting sub 13 on this course was really good. And I had that in my sights. The other big thing that everyone kept talking about was how hard the last two miles of the course was and how much you wanted to finish it without it getting dark. So I didn't have much left in the tank, but fortunately we're about to hit a mile and a half road section that kind of rolled down. So you did have to make about a three or 400 foot climb on the road out of rat hole. Um, but then you were back on that same windy country road that while we went up in the morning, we got to kind of go down in the afternoon. We were on it for about a mile and a half. And while I didn't make very good time, um, I made, I made up some time there. I definitely got some quicker miles in compared to what I had been able to do. Um, which, which helped because then I really had that sub 13 kind of in view. So at this point I was pretty much by myself again. Our group kind of broke up at the aid station. Um, I went back down the hill to, towards the trail, got to cross through the creek, um, was really excited to cross back through the creek um, and go back up a trail that kind of ran parallel to that one we came down at mile two. But the creek, being in the creek felt good. I knew there were only two miles left. I wasn't super worried about my feet being wet at this point. Um, and I thought, you know, how bad can these last two miles be? I definitely should be choking on my words. The last two miles of this race are definitely the worst two miles of the race. You have, I would say, at least a 1,500 foot, if not 2,000 foot climb back to the start finish. 
and it is so rocky and so technical um, that I don't think you could even run it on fresh legs. Um, I had heard stories from race veterans and everybody saying, you know, even if your legs are super fresh and you're in good shape at the end of this one, expect for it to take 45 to 50 minutes. Um, 45 to 50 minutes on those two miles would be pretty fast. Um, I, I think it took me close to an hour and a half to get up those two miles. Um, and you know, it was a mix of everything. I was dehydrated. Um, I was behind on nutrition. Um, I was fighting off cramps. It was uphill. It was rocky. It was technical and I was ready to be done. Um, so as I started to go back, up the mountain, um, there were a few times I would just stop and I really was ready to just sit down on a rock and kind of be done. But I would remind myself, not only was the sub 13 hour finish in sight, also, you know, if I were to quit right there, um, search and rescue might come out and get me, but either way, there's only one way off this mountain and that's walking. Um, so I might stop for a few minutes, lean over my poles, um, get aggravated, um, but then I would just kind of plot my course, move slowly over the rocks to avoid cramping and continue to go up. Now, as we kind of went up the mountain, um, two of the people I had been running with after Goldfish Pond, Mark and Ashley caught back up with me and we were together for about 20 minutes. It was really, really nice, but then they had to leave me. Um, I started to get kind of dizzy. Um, like I said, I was behind on hydration. Um, it was getting hot. There were some long marches without aid stations. So I felt around in my pack. I had four goose and a beef jerky left. Um, since I was getting kind of dizzy and I, I knew I was behind, I just went ahead and ate all of it. Um, I do not recommend, unless you are kind of in a <laughs> last ditch situation, eating four goose and a beef jerky all at once. It is not gonna sit very well <laughs> in your stomach. Um, but fortunately, I think I needed the nutrition so bad my stomach didn't fight me too hard um, once it once it went down. So I continued on um, each time, like more and more, oh my God, this has to be the last climb. And somehow we'd switch back and keep going up. After probably about a mile and a half, um, maybe a little less, you hit a pretty flat section along the ridge. It seems like it goes on forever. Um, it's not too terrible. I was able to just kind of hike it in and keep a good pace. Um, and then I hit a sign and it said 0.4 miles to shelter two. Now I thought shelter two was the finish line, but I looked down at my watch and I saw that I had 17 minutes, um, to hit sub 13. And that was a huge pick me up, even though even I, I was like, I know I can make it four tenths of a mile in 17 minutes. Um, so I kind of picked up my hiking pace, used my pulls quite a bit. It, it was rolling down, but my legs kind of somehow found a way to spring back to life a little bit. Um, and then I got to another sign and it said, even though it felt like I had gone four tenths of a mile, it said one quarter of a mile to shelter two. Even though that was kind of like, oh man, how am I not there? I was still, I still pushed on, still pushed on. Um, and then I popped out and I saw the shelter and it was completely abandoned. And I was like, oh man. Oh man, I hope I don't have a long ways to go. And I followed the flags out to the road. I knew the race ended with a, about a half mile stretch on the road. And even though I did not want to run that half mile stretch on the road, I looked down at my watch. I had probably 
13 minutes left and I was like, okay, I think I can do this. So I put my poles to my side and kind of jogged it in. Um, my legs hurt, but I was so ready to be done and just wanted to get done as quick as possible under that 13. Um, so I ran in, uh, within maybe a quarter of a mile, you started to see some more people. You could see the finish line and then you ran up this grassy little hill and crossed the finish line. Um, all of the people, not all the people that I had ran with towards the end, all kind of waited around, to uh, see me finish, which was a good feeling. And then Michael was there as well. Um, he finished uh, about 30 minutes before me. Um, and then I saw Chris, the initial guy that told me about this race. Um, at the end as well. And so it was really nice to see all these old and new trail friends at the end of the race. I have to say this race was one of the most beautiful and epic races that I've ever done. I highly recommend it to everybody. But keep in mind when the race director says that this race is incredibly tough, it is incredibly tough. Um, I think we finished with 45.5 miles and almost 13,000 feet of elevation gain. Um, and as I'm sitting here a few days after the race, I am still hobbling down the stairs like an 89 year old man. Um, thanks for listening to the race report. Uh, I hope this inspires somebody to go out and try the race next year. Um, take it easy. There you have it. Breaks 45, Virginia, put it on your list. Uh, new to me, maybe new to a lot of other people listening to this. One of the things that I loved about, um, Travis, Picking this race and Michael um, picking this race as an, uh, a tune-up race for the Ozark Trail 100 is that it gave the opportunity for him to simulate the amount of vert that he was going to be getting in the 100-mile race. You know, it's you can't really go out on a training run a lot of times and get twelve to 13,000 foot of climb uh, in a race, but breaks offered him that opportunity. So, you know, he's going to know what that feels like on his legs going into the hundred miler. Uh, I have a feeling that's why a lot of people on the East coast use this for no business as well. Um, great way to train. And, you know, as you can tell from Travis's report, he's always got such a great demeanor when it goes into racing. Um, you get lost at extra mileage. Um, you know, for a lot of people, even on a training run, that might throw you for a loop. And, you know, they took it in stride. Uh, it sucks to add a mile and a half to your race, a mile and a half harder to your race as well. Um, but, you know, they didn't care about place or positioning or finishing. You know, they had time goals, but it it was just about the training run and, and having the experience and using a race um, to help them get to the greater end goal, right? That 100-miler. So I think a lot of times in ultra running, you know, we have our A goals throughout the year, and then there's different races. We try to line up with that to support it. And sometimes we forget that they're just training runs. Like it is such a great thing to go pick a race and not kill yourself over it and just use it as practice for fueling practice in Travis's case to make sure he's keeping his feet um, dry and, and his feet aren't 
trashed for the OT100. You know, that was something he was working on in this. And, you know, just working on that time on feet uh, and and having training races for your A race is so great. And, and going in with the mentality that he went into it with of just, you know, using the experience, not worrying about pace, time. You know, you have a 13-hour goal that you want to accomplish, but I guarantee if he didn't hit that goal, he would have been happy with the experience and time on feet that he got to support him going forward for OT. Um, I think a lot of times we forget about that when we're putting a race calendar together and we always want to crush every race. Um, I'm probably guilty of that because I'm super competitive, but this is a great reminder and I love his perspective on that. We can't not talk about the poop story, right? Uh <laughs> I feel very fortunate that I don't have to really deal with this ever. I've run with Travis enough to know that this isn't an issue for him. Um, someone asked me offline um, about our OHT 50K story. I'm happy to share his pooping story on that one. Uh, but it's got to be super uncomfortable, right? When you have to go and you don't have that spot and you know it's going to take your body a little while to turn it around. But that's the beauty of trail and ultra running you jump on that side trail take care of business and uh get back out there and and send it to crush down and finish the race so um major kudos travis to getting that poop out buddy <laughs> i'm sure people will relate to that as um many of you have similar stories i wouldn't doubt it so anyway Thanks. Big thanks to Travis. Um, if you're listening to this this week, um, send him some love. Comment on our Facebook or Instagram. Um, first 100 miler this weekend. We'll probably be doing a crew race report for that afterwards. Uh, hopefully, Travis will share his experience with us again after OT100. So, big monster thank you to Travis. and. Uh, as always, big thank you to all of our supporters as well. Where can you find us? You can find us on Facebook uh, at the Endurance House Podcast. You can find us at Instagram at the Endurance House Pod as well. Please like, share, do all the things uh, on both of those to help us grow and and get out there. We're also on Patreon and I just want to shout out all of our all of our supporters on there. Michael Truman who was a part of this race with Travis, Scotty Coomer, um as he puts it, the best podcast is 10 Junk Miles. Jack Rosenfeld, Beer on the Run podcast. Those two podcasts are are amazing. I encourage you guys to jump over there and support them. Um Rory O'Flaherty who has connected me with several people, given us two race reports so far. Thanks, Rory. Carrie Eldridge, good buddy here in St. Louis. Um, Stephen Dents, Stephen Fear the Turtle as he goes on Patreon. Thank you, buddy. And our friend Bobby Doobie as well. Thank you guys so much for your support. If anyone likes what we're doing here, wants to support us, um, I just use our Patreon money to 
upgrade a little bit here um, to be able to do podcasts live with people outside of my home. So thank you guys for the support. It goes to a good cause and I'll hopefully be able to bring some more content your way. So check us out there. Until next time, um, I hope you guys are enjoying this beautiful fall weather. If you're in the area of the world that's experiencing it, it is the ideal time to be running um, anywhere, trails, road, whatever you're doing. Um, there's no better time of the year to run than fall. Uh, so hopefully you're enjoying it out there um, and keep, keep up the training and we will see you on the next episode.